everybody. It's Keith Rainwater again with your podcast for today, Designated Drummer. And my guest today here is Chuck Fields, a very good friend of mine. Hello, Keith. How are you? I'm good. Good. And uh, Chuck is, um, I've known Chuck since the early 2000s, I think, when we first started touring together. We yeah. did a tour up in Canada. Yeah, maybe and, even. No, you know what? It was actually late 1998, I believe oh, it was. Oh, that's right. It I was. was. Yeah, because yeah. I was playing with Paul Brandt. That's right. And uh, we did a long run across Canada. We did, two weeks, two-week yeah. run across yeah. Canada, and that's when I first ran into you. And um, now what's interesting about you being a drummer and all that, um, a Nashville musician, you've played, well, you started out playing with a Canadian artist, and you kind of, because now you currently play with Terry Clark. Yep. I play with Terry Clark. I also play with Johnny Reed up in Canada, and I played with Keith Anderson when available. <laughs> wow. Keith Anderson, yeah, the XL, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, so my question to you was just for currently, is mm-hmm. um, you started out with a Canadian artist and that sort of just kept, how did that work out? How did, yeah. that, how did you start with Canadian? How did that come about? It just, it was one of those, my phone rang one day, my good buddy Mark Selby was on the other line and he said Mark, that um, he had been contacted to put a band together for a new artist, uh, Paul Brandt. And you want to go to some place called Banff for a week? I'm like, okay, I don't know what a Banff is, but let's do it. <laughs> but the name sounds cool. Yeah, so exactly. It well, it got even better because we stayed at the Banff Springs Hotel. Look that one up. <laughs> it's amazing, and we were there for an entire week. They were flying in people from like WalMarts and whatnot, and we were doing showcases. You know, back in the day, you'd fly people in, do showcases for them, so they'd put your merchandise in their stores which no longer exists. I remember that. We did that back <laughs> yeah. in when we first got uh, our first record out in 95. Before yeah. our, well, it was before our, you know, our first Lone Star record. Yep. It was like this live thing, Lone Star Live kind of thing. And we, you know, serviced it to Walmarts. And we had to do a whole two-week tour of Walmarts. Yeah. We, I remember oh, yeah. we played in the, in the women's underwear, undergarment <laughs> aisle at, a, at this Walmart because it rained. We got rained out. Yeah. And it was like an outdoor stage and everything. Yeah. But it got rained out. And it, we, here we are in the women's underwear section. That's hilarious. Yeah, so instead of us going to Walmarts, they brought in the execs. And of course, once again, look up Banff Springs Hotel. It's amazing. Everybody was coming in there and going, this is awesome. And then they got, they got a show every night. So it was, it was pretty cool. That is very cool. Yeah. And so that led um, to your Canadian run. I mean, you were yeah. like with Canadian artists all the time and all that. It's a, it's crazy. Like for almost no, actually for a little over twenty years solid, I either played with the Entertainer of the Year, the female vocalist, or the male vocalist of the year in the country music industry in Canada. Wow, that That's is awesome. Pretty nuts. So, so I think by default you're Canadian. By default, <laughs> yeah, you, you should you get know. an honorary. <laughs> oh yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. Hey. You should get an honorary Canadian citizenship because you have played and supported so many great Canadian artists, you know, and, and of course some American ones too, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you're, you've sort of known as the... <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, and it's so funny because I'm like, oh man, I should be getting one of those awards. Oh, wait a minute, I'm not Canadian. I'm not Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But, uh, so, hey. that, that's the, uh, that's our horn section right there, by the way. <laughs> we are at the Band Cave. Tune it right up, now. boys. <laughs> that's right, we're at the infamous Band Cave, which is right next to the railroad tracks, so, you know, Right. I hear the train the, coming. I hear the train coming. You get that? We get the horn section for free. So, <laughs> they sound wow, like they're free. Man, that is something. 
And, and of course, I timed it just perfect. You know, as soon as I start recording, you know, the, a train comes by. There you go. Um, anyway, uh, so, but anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about your beginnings. How yeah, you started. absolutely. What year did you start uh, to play drums, first of all, like probably in school or whatever, yeah, and then what yeah. led to? Oh, no, it's, it's actually way better than that. My mom and dad said that I used to play, not play, but I used to beat on my car seat. I mean, that's how early this whole thing started for me. And it went from the car seat to they bought me a pair of sticks. I wore out the furniture. They were like, okay, I guess it's time for a drum set. Got the cheap, you know, Sears drum set. Killed it. Killed it meaning <laughs> like playing wise or killed it killed meaning it like as you literally killed it? Mutilated that thing. <laughs> wow. So from there, you know, my parents were like, okay, I guess he's actually wanting to do this for real. And they bought me my first uh, slingerling kit back wow. in the day. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Was that a Christmas thing? or? or? It was indeed. Yeah. Wow. I, I think I was uh, maybe seven or eight years old. That young? I yeah. was thinking like 13 or something. No, wow. no. Um, both my parents were educators and, you know, they had just been talking to, you know, the band directors and whatnot and kind of figuring out what to do. So. They bought me a kit and, you know. I can't even imagine a seven-year-old being able to reach the pedals. I mean, <laughs> could you, I mean, yeah. were you literally that tall? I mean, could you? No, oh, I was a shorty. Oh, but, okay. uh, you know, you, you adjust. Just do what you can. <laughs> I wish I, seat down you low. know, unfortunately, you know, back in the day, we didn't have photos, you know, of everything we freaking did in life like you do now. Just pull it out of your pocket and take right. a picture. But um, I wish I'd had photos from back then because I'm sure it looked pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And now, did you were you in band school band? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started in fifth grade for band, uh, in which case I played trumpet for two years. That's what I started. Did on. you really? Wow. And Michael Britt, our guitar player, he was a trumpet player too. A lot yeah. Of people started trumpet. Yeah. I wanted to play drums, but I was really shy. And when when the band director came in, he's like, "So um, we need um, we need some brass." We're good in the percussion section. I'm just like, uh, uh, that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, so he's like, well, will anybody volunteer to, you know, play brass instruments? And, of course, I was just like, mm, yeah, sure, I'll do it. It didn't stick. You know, obviously. Yeah. It was like two years of, oh, man, what am I doing? This is horrible. So I went from that to uh, – I actually grew up in a small town outside of Memphis. And – um, the high school actually needed a bass drum player. So they went down to the middle school and asked for volunteers to see if you could wanted to do it or if you had the ability. For marching, possibly? For, for marching, yeah, for marching band. And I was like, ooh, here's the break. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I ended up, I was in the eighth grade, but they would shuttle, there was probably 15 of us, up to the high school and we started uh, band, uh, marching band before school, and then it was first period, and then they would shuttle us back to our middle school. That must have been cool. Oh, it like was middle of the day, it's like, oh, gotta go. I yeah, gotta. well, no, it was like first thing in the morning, because you, you started there before school started, and yeah. then the first oh, period was band, so you had basically a couple of hours before you know school there. Yeah. It was awesome. Well, if you're like me, did you have uh, friendships that uh, back then, the camaraderie of other musicians and, uh, and just friendships that lasted for years and years? Oh, 100%. That? Yeah, it was so awesome. And then, too, after high school, I went to college and studied uh, at Memphis State. It tells you how old I am because now it's 
University of Memphis. I just have to say, I love that you're a Memphis drummer. I, I don't think I've ever met any other Memphis drummers because it's such a music thing. That, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, we'll get into that because there was just so much going on there. Um, while I was studying at Memphis State, I was able to play classical world. I did the jazz world, rock world. R&B, it was just freaking all there, you know? Wow. Yeah. That so awesome. it was, What a great training ground. Definitely a melting chops, pot. Yeah. yeah. And Even, not that far from Nashville, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, ironically, I'm one of those Nashville natives. I was born here, but then I grew up close to Memphis. Oh, I see. Yeah, my mom and, and dad had all of the kids here because my mom and dad are from Nashville, so they would come up here, have the kids, have a bit of a family support, and then go back to West Tennessee once we were oh, a little dang. bit older. Yeah. What was just a few months. Memphis like back in those days? I mean, it's a little different now, but I mean, what was it like? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been gone from Memphis for 28 years. So back in the day, literally, my rock band, I had a rock band that was signed to Sony Tree. Um, and we were so busy in the Memphis area. It was, once again, just before computers and cell yeah, phones. Right, right. I would get the Sunday paper to figure out where my where I was playing that week. <laughs> Is that right? Wow! Because li- we literally played almost every night. What's our know? schedule? I don't know. check the paper. Exactly, that's what I did. Uh, it it was pretty much foolproof. Maybe there was one or two times where I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> and that was clubs and stuff like yeah, like pretty clubs. much clubs. Yeah. Wow. And then Sundays, it was great because there was three different jazz things that you that we would get booked for um that i would get booked for so had the opportunity to play jazz all day long and that's what i studied in school as well so i got my degree in jazz player yeah wow. yeah god yeah. i have i can only fake jazz i mean i, I never <laughs> studied it or anything i mean i was just like i just started playing it like you know i was about 18 or 19 so yeah playing and it, it wasn't any training really i took right. private lessons and all that but but it was just like yeah, I would listen to it. Well, that was a, another thing for me. Uh, once again, both my parents were educators, so they were asking the music director, you know, what should we do? And he's like, well, take him to concerts. So at a very young age, I actually saw Buddy Rich twice. It was amazing. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I was like maybe like up close, kind of, sort of. Was oh, it a yeah. club? Yeah. No. Uh, Let's see. The first time was in Jackson, Tennessee. And that was just kind of like a, a big Jackson's kind of in between Memphis and right, Nashville. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was just like a big uh, convention kind of hall. But then the second time I saw him, I saw him in Memphis at the Orpheum, which is a beautiful theater. Uh, and my dad actually gave me uh, front row, front row seats. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome to have seen Buddy Rich live. I mean, while he was still alive, and, uh, and watch him play, like watch. Oh, yeah. incredible. Well, well, that was the thing, too. I was, like, intimidated, and, like, I'm like, Dad, do I have to be that good? (laughs) (laughs) He made you want to give up. Like, okay. I'm I'm like, that's not going to (laughs) happen. But, you know, one of the things that I tell a lot of my students and stuff is those guys back in those days, they lived and breathed their instrument. I mean, that's all they did. 100%. They practiced during the day. They rehearsed. They did a show at night, almost every night, and they lived and breathed it. How could you not be a master of your instrument having so much proximity to it? Absolutely. Well, that's a funny thing, too. When I was growing up, um, bless my parents, I don't, you know, 
to have a drummer in the house. Woo. I love that. But uh, uh, I literally set up my drum kit at the side of my bed so that when I rolled out of bed, the first thing I hit wasn't the floor. It was my pedals. Wow. I mean, it awesome. was just like, I, you know, I was just totally into did, it. Did you have it where, like, when you're sitting on the edge, your drum stool was the edge of the bed kind of thing? Or was uh, it like? It was like, like basically, I, I could step on the hi-hat. I couldn't step on the kick drum because it was just, like, right beside oh, my yeah, bed. Oh, yeah, right. The drum stool yeah. was kind of right there. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, Man. I was totally in. And, and, and to another really cool thing that um, – I was fortunate enough to have a band director that was a percussionist, uh-huh. which that doesn't usually happen. Right. You know, like usually. a real, not just a band director that sort of plays everything, exactly. including percussion. Yeah, it was no, more like was, a percussionist. He was actually a percussionist. Because okay, wow. you know, most band directors are horn players or, yeah. or a piano player or something. Wow. Um, so that was like super cool. And did he give you any bits of like that you were that stuck that stuck with you? you know? Oh yeah, so I mean, daily, right? But I mean, what was the most no, thing? No, one that of the he... coolest things that he did, because um, I went up to him and I was like, I wanted to get drum set lessons, and he's like, Yeah, no, but but this is what <laughs> this is what I'm gonna do for you, and this is like super cool what wow. he did. He said once a week, you come to my house. And I'll give you, you know, four or five albums to take home and listen to. So, without my knowledge, what he was doing was making my musical ear 360. I mean, he was just introducing me to everything from Buddy Rich to the Beatles. I mean, it was... Which would have been harder to do if he was just teaching you drum set. He could have said, okay, this is how the Beatles drum beat goes. And instead of showing you, he said, take these albums and consume them. Exactly. Wow. Which was a gift. I mean, at the time, obviously, I was just like, jerk, you're not going to give me lessons? (laughs) Record albums, what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But then, you know, I was eating it up because there would have been no other way to have gotten all that. Wow. because back in the day, once again, you know, you couldn't pull out your phone and go, I want to listen to blah, blah. Yeah, you know, right, yeah. You, know, you, you could <laughs> tune into the radio and maybe a song that you like Well, come even on, if you, you know? yeah, you listen to the radio, you're still listening to the 20 songs in rotation. So. Yeah. I heard a great story from listening to the uh, audio book of the, um, the Wrecking Crew. Oh, yeah. And they were talking about, I don't remember who it was. I think it was the piano player, and I can't remember his name. But he went over to his buddy's house. The first time he ever heard Ray Charles, mm-hmm. that, what's it called? Hey, uh, that's what I said, yeah, that yeah, song. Yeah. He had heard that somewhere, like on the radio or something. He went and bought the record. Sure. And listened, and he, and he ran over to his friend's house, rode his bicycle over there and said, come, you've got to come <laughs> listen to this. You have to. <laughs> and he said it changed his life. He totally, <laughs> oh, his friend said, listen to this. And he put it on, and he said, from that point on, he knows. I didn't know you could do that kind of stuff. You know that you could play like that and that <laughs> yeah. feeling of oh, like. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. can imagine the teenagers back then. Uh, yeah. Hearing a song like that that just made you want to just made you want to like go out and kick the car or something. Absolutely. You know, like, Absolutely. You know, did things to you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, just a treasure for me. You know, growing up and being introduced to so much stuff. And have at, a, a, at a young age, teacher like that that yeah, cared yeah. enough to say, "Okay, here's what I'm going to do for you." Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So then you um, graduated from high school, and now you're you're faced with like this. I don't know if you were like me. It's like you you'd never even thought of another career choice. It was just like, "Well, I'm going to be a drummer. That's obvious." Yep. But it's going to be whether it's going to be rock or jazz or country or what band is it going to be with? But you knew you were going to play drums. So what Absolutely. was the first sort of break? Yeah. So. After college, actually while I was still in college, um, playing just around town in Memphis, um, we did have a, I did have a band called Big Fish. 
that wow. was signed. And, uh, you know, we cut a, a record. It never got released, but who cares? The experience yeah. was awesome. Right. In a Memphis studio, or was it in Nashville? In a Memphis studio. Memphis studio. Yeah, at Arden. Wow. Yeah, at which... And what year would that? Simple. What year was that? Uh, that would have been like eighty six, eighty seven, wow. somewhere along in there. Yeah, back yeah. in the era when you rarely ever really heard real drums on the radio. Yeah. It was always like the Lind drum or a drum machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was pretty. That was just definitely a, uh, a learning experience. Was that rock? That was a rock band. It was a rock band. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the music like so, in that that band? What would you describe it? Was it bluesy or was it just no, like straight no, ahead rock? No, it, um, maybe like a REM ish. Okay, kinda, indie yeah, rock kind of thing. Rock, yeah, yeah, that's cool. It yeah. definitely would be categorized as that nowadays for sure. What was the but, music scene in Memphis like back in '86? Would you? How would you describe? It? Was it a lot of blues or was it sort of rock and just it was all over everything. the place? Yeah, L- literally. Oh, ironically, <laughs> here I land playing with country artists. There was not even a country radio station in Memphis. <laughs> uh, right. Oh, my gosh. Not even a station? No. Wow. No. Even after the urban cowboy craze of 81, you know? Mm-hmm. like uh, You know, honestly, when I lived there, I do not recall there being a country station. Or maybe on AM. It probably it was one of those AM one. stations, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like 92.2. Uh. Yeah, but there was, there was a huge, uh, like, metal rock scene in Nashville, and, excuse me, in Memphis. Um, obviously, the blues. A lot of jazz was going on. Um, I used to sub for the the Jackson uh, uh, Orchestra, so I was being able to use those chops wow, too. That's so, awesome! Yeah. Wow. Well, the, the Jackson Tennessee yep. Orchestra. Mm-hmm. What kind of music was it? Symphonic or was yeah, it symphonic some, music. Yeah. And you so played the set, the drum set. Nope. Nope. Oh. I would. Um, I would just play percussion. You know, mallets, whatever. It's whatever. The, Not the you, the principal. Um, percussionists played the timpani parts always but you know if they had a piece that was uh more percussion than they had percussionists yeah. <laughs> they would call down to, to memphis state and ask for some of us to come up and fill in the spots so, so I- usually you'd, you'd go up and you'd do like maybe two or three of the rehearsals and then play the show like on a friday night or saturday or whatever yeah. how long were you in college how long was that uh, five years. Five years. Yeah, I'm now, a slow learner. I guess when you get out of high school, you yeah, right. When you get out of high school, you could start gigging and be in college too. Did you do that, or, or did you like stay concentrated on college, and then after college you started? Going oh broke? Lord, no. I mean, no. Almost. Well, I wouldn't say immediately, but um, because I was studying jazz, so definitely the jazz gigs started to come about uh, while I was still in college, and then. <laughs> I actually started with my the rock world. I started with a Grateful Dead cover band, but wow! But the Grateful Dead cover band did everything from dead tunes to jazz standards. Wow! Uh, so once again, it was just a melting pot of stuff. Wow! Uh, in which case, this is a, a neat tidbit. If you're ever down in Memphis and you go to, I think it's called Blue City Cafe. It's across the street from BB King's. You'll look down on the old concrete, and there you'll see a music note. That band actually has an, uh, one of those notes on the sidewalk. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Wow. Yeah, we were inter- in, inducted or whatever maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, because the band has, the Free World has such a long lineage of players that have come through it. The band is still going, and this wow. is like 
30 years ago and it's still there's still an, an entity in, in Memphis so yeah. uh, so you're 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 out of college and you started what was the was it sort of like an audition process where you're just like looking for a gig or did some did you have that did someone call you and you're like oh I'm gone yeah wow okay so after college uh, one of my first gigs was actually uh, playing with Jimmy Heath and Herb Ellis which Jimmy Heath is a sax player and Herb is a guitar player and uh, we did a little run around the, the Midwest, uh, not Midwest, South, like Mississippi, uh, Georgia, whatnot. And it was... That, that was, was jazz, right? That was jazz, and that was a learning experience. Because, oh, was it? Oh, man, you know, I'm right out of college, and Jimmy Heath, um, if you ever look up, like, Modern Jazz Quartet, that's him and his brother and whatnot. And uh, <laughs> the first rehearsal... We're playing, once again, right out of college, and I'm not being very musical. I'm just throwing everything at them, you know, yeah, that I right. had, because I was a little nervous. I'm like, these guys are legends. And well, we get about 40 seconds to the first song, and Jimmy takes the sax out of his mouth and goes, hey, baby face, just, just play some time. I go, <laughs> <laughs> You got the gig, okay? Yeah, I was like, you got the gig. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> I thought for sure I'm about to get fired. Oh, no. <laughs> I like, overdid it. He's like, no, just play some time. I'm like, got it. Huge, huge, huge uh, amount of, of a lesson right there. Right, just, yeah. Just play the gig, man. Yeah, if you can keep steady time, you've impressed him enough, right? There you and, go. And there if you, you show go. up and you're a good guy, you know, good hang. Oh, oh yeah. God. Well, that's cool. So, yeah. yeah, so that was like the first real gig gig. And then um, I actually... Oh, so the reason I moved to Nashville was because of Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. Ah, okay. Interesting little thing here. So, personal connection or just nope? It inspired you? Nope. I I had a uh, like a fusion type band, um, and the promoter came up to our band and asked us if we would open for a jazz banjo player. In which case, I'm going. <laughs> Come again? Jazz a banjo, jazz banjo yeah. player? Is yeah. there such you a know, thing? <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, I'm, you know, young 20s and I'm thinking immediately, oh, we're going to kill these dudes. <laughs> <laughs> a jazz banjo player. Okay, yeah. we got this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, How hard could it be? Yeah, this is this is going to be absolutely just not good for them. Well, <laughs> so we, we played our little set and we're like, yeah, that was awesome. So I went back and I, I'm standing back by the front of the house and then, Bela and, and the Fleck tones come on, and I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, you're like, okay, now I know why we're opening like, for them. Oh, yeah, these dudes are amazing. <laughs> you know, it couldn't have been like two songs in, and Victor Wooten takes a daggum solo and does a backflip. I'm like, uh, what just happened? <laughs> Dang. But after the show, I'm talking to Victor, and he's like, man, you should, you should consider moving to Nashville. I'm like, Never thought about that, but all right, I'll give it a shot, see what happens. Yeah. And how I got to Nashville was uh, Opryland. Uh, I okay. auditioned in Memphis, because uh, Opryland would take their uh, traveling audition around the, the country, and it came through Memphis, auditioned, got the gig. That's cool. So that's you know, what Dean, our keyboard player, that's how he got to Nashville. Is yeah. they were doing, that's how him and Richie uh, originally met, was they were doing auditions in Dallas, Texas, yep. for the Opryland yep. theme park. And yep. 
Rich, Richie did not get to the, the, uh, pass the audition because he didn't really want to dance or anything. Right. Dean could sing, dance, play, whatever, and he got the gig. So yeah. he moved to Nashville, and then later Richie did, and they met up and stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you know what years he was here? Uh, Dean was – this would have been probably 80s, like late 80s yeah, or something, I think. Yeah, it's a little think, bit before like, me because it was yeah. early 90s when I was this there. probably would have been 89 – 88, 89, I'm guessing, you know, yeah. because the Lone Star formed in 92. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then so it was just kind of before, it was like, I think he would just come off of working for Opryland and all that, and then he did sure. some other things and then started, got with Richie and said, let's put a band together, like kind yeah. of thing. So just right after, the, so it would have been late 80s, I think. Yeah, Opryland was a treasure, man. I mean, it employed like two or 300 musicians. It was crazy. Yeah, and then crazy. they tore it down and made a mall. I mean, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, right, right. They just ended up making money, I guess. Yeah, money, you know? money, 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 money. Yep. But uh, so that's cool. So what did you do at the theme park? Did you play yeah. drums mostly? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. No, I was in uh, a show called uh, The Winner Is, which uh, I, I imagine some of the guys that have been at, at Opryland for a long time are pretty PO'd at me because I had the only indoor air-conditioned gig. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Yeah, oh, I man. Know. Yeah. You know, most of the times you walk around the park and they're all out there just sweating it, but, you yeah, know. Yeah. I'm wearing a tuxedo, well, from the top up because I was in a pit yeah. and, and shorts. <laughs> yeah. So it was an indoor theater. Indoor thing, theater, yeah. oh, nice man. and comfy. <laughs> you never stepped foot out in the June uh, fanfare heat. Yeah. Man. I mean, those poor guys, they would have to come off stage and throw all their wardrobe and dryers just oh, to do God. the next show. <laughs> yeah, Dean, uh, Dean, our keyboard player, Dean, he did, he was, he sang some, but he also danced a lot. He was part of the dance at Country Music USA or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, they yeah. They were doing cartwheels and oh, dancing yeah. and doing the, oh, God, if yeah. you can imagine yeah. how hot that must have been. Oh, yeah. But uh, he met Shelly Wright doing that. Oh, you yeah. know, she was yeah. in the show, too. And yeah. John Rich, uh, uh, who was our bass player, our first bass player back in the day, now he's with Big and Rich, um, he played there, too. He yeah. was he didn't, I don't know if he did, yeah, maybe he did dance, but um, he was just part of the whole, sure. you know, Opryland yeah. machine there, you know, yeah. doing stuff. It's amazing how many people that thing brought to town. Yeah. yeah. So I was very fortunate that I moved to town with a gig, with a musical gig. Right. You know, most, you know, you come to town and you're having to just survive. Yeah, stay with um, a friend, sleep on yeah, a couch or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so um, I already had a family, you know, my wife and, and I had a, had a little baby, so... I was like, wherever I go, I gotta have a gig. Right, so yeah. that allowed me to come to town with yeah, a gig, which with a was gig, amazing. With a paycheck, yeah, actually, you yeah, know, absolutely. So you could move on from there. So how did the the whole that kind of got you opened the doors to country music yep. to you? I guess a little bit, you a know? little bit. Yeah. And then uh, how did the first sort of like artist gig come about? Like, yeah. So that was the Paul Brandt gig. Uh, once again, uh, Mark Selby just literally called me up and said, "I got to put a band together. Let's do it." This was in Nashville. That right? was they were in Nashville. Band yeah, you know he is a Canadian artist. Paul Brandt um, has been for many, many years. We mm -hmm. did a tour together. Yeah, when yeah. I first met Back you with, with Paul day. Brandt. Yeah. <laughs> so they were putting the band together. And I guess that is kind of there are a lot of good Canadian musicians, but I think for a country band, for an artist to come down to Nashville would be the smart thing. Yeah. Well, he was signed in America. Oh, so, I see. Right. Yeah, he, he was from Cal uh, Calgary, but he came to the United States to be a singer songwriter, like everybody else yeah and was signed here actually i think he won like a um a competition like right. like win this competition and right. go to nashville and to get record. a record deal exactly right. <laughs> and ironically it freaking worked wow. that's awesome <laughs> yeah so that was that was gig one 
for the Canadian thing. And then after Paul, um, I did like six months with Martina uh, McBride. And then um, my good friend was uh, Terry Clark's um, band leader. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> when I left Martina, he called me literally the night that that was over and said, can you start with uh, Terry next month? And I went, wow. uh, yeah, I can, actually. Sure. Yeah, I can. <laughs> Let me check my schedule. Uh, oh, yes, I do. Yeah. Have an opening. So, That's cool. And, you know, that started back, uh, I started with her back in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's right. And now it's 21 years later. Although... Um, I did do, uh, and I still do. I go in and will do tours with a Canadian artist named Johnny Reed as well. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, Johnny Reed. Yeah. Now I couldn't tell you any of his songs, but I have. Heard, I don't. I do know the name, and I know it's very <laughs> traditional Canadian, right? Yeah. Sort of country. <laughs> sort of Ironically, old. no. Oh, really? Is that right? <laughs> Although he he's won like the uh, Country Music Entertainer of the Year for like I don't know five or six years, but. Um, Johnny is originally from Scotland. Oh wow! Okay, and pretty much sounds like Rod Stewart and Bob Seger smushed oh, wow. together. So, awesome. <clears throat> as he says, I-, I never called myself country. Other people did. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, cool. it's actually a really fun gig because when we do tours, um, it's a thirteen-piece band. Wow! Full horn section, uh, percussionists. What does it feel it's like so to sit awesome. back there on drums and drive? You're the in the driver's oh, seat to drive oh, yeah. a big band like that. It's, it's got to be a great sweet. feeling. Let me and they're you. all listening to you. Yeah, just, it's it's kind of like you know riding in a Cadillac. You don't want to oh, you don't want to burn the tires, way. man. You just want to let everybody see you. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow, that is cool. Yeah, so that's wow. so much fun because you know uh, he kind of does the rock and roll tour. Um, as, as you know, Keach, down here, we go out in and out for weekends or whatever. Johnny will typically just go out for a couple of months, go coast to coast, and then see you later. Like every night of the week, or most nights well, of the week? Well, yeah, we, like would, kind of... uh, we usually do like four shows on a day off. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Yeah, so you knock out, you know. 45 shows and man the band can be so tight when you do that you know? oh yeah if they get along if, uh, <laughs> if you can get along well enough one, that, hire yeah. people you like exactly good good people you know um and yeah but I've, I've i've often heard that rock bands you know big rock bands you know like oh i don't know, like just would you imagine the big rock tour band with all the great players the attitudes and all that they at their tightest. I mean, the band sounds amazing, but they're about ready to kill, kill each other. Kill each other. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, well, fortunately, we're only out for a couple of months, so yeah. even if somebody wants to kill each other, it's like, you know there's dude, a light we've only got a week left. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And hopefully, it's not another train, right? <laughs> right. But anyway, so, yeah. So, man, it's so awesome. Now, um, I like to talk a little bit about... Um, just the things that you've learned along sure. the way, going from like, say, when you were just starting out. Now, you had a huge training in college and mm-hmm. jazz and all that stuff, but um, there had to be moments where you were either on stage or at rehearsal or whatever, and you either did something that someone didn't like, and you sort of like, oh, God, what am I thinking? What, what was I doing? And now yeah. you look back at it as just normal. Um, yeah. Playing-wise, for me, um, Probably one of the the biggest things that I've got in terms of going to school 
um, it's the way that I learn music now. Um, I have to write everything out. I'm a visual learner. Okay. So I take the time and I can I'll chart everything. But as I'm charting it, I'm learning it. It's like right. it, it's you know it just it's tattooing it's, in your brain. Absolutely. So when you're playing the song, you're seeing in your mind. I can almost you're seeing see the chart. chart in yeah. your mind. You're sort of visualizing it. Yeah. 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 I tend to do that sometimes yeah. on certain songs that I actually saw the chart. You know, yeah. like when we're playing in the studio and there's a chart, I visually reference back to that. If it's just a song we've worked up live like a cover song or whatever yeah um or one that i didn't play on right then it would be i just have a different visual absolutely absolutely uh so that has really helped me um because even like with with johnny there's so many people on stage so there are going to be some some arrangements that are you know that you gotta stick to (laughs) it's like there's no improv night yeah you know you gotta hit this there and wherever it needs to be so that that's been one of the things that's really helped me um obviously like any anybody that's wanting to be a, a, a professional musician no matter what instrument get your time happening good you know, time yeah yeah everybody should have good time right you know it's just not the drummer's gig it's Do, everybody's gig and one of the things <laughs> i talk about too is Click or no click? This is a section of the podcast we're going to go into. Click or no click? Okay. Um, obviously, you can play with a click because yeah. you've had to before yeah. on certain yeah. things. Do you prefer a click or do you prefer playing just with your own time? Yeah. So definitely, if it's a if it's a country gig or or a pop gig, I'm a click guy because I I I like knowing that the comfort level in me that. It's exactly where it's supposed to be. Yeah, right. It's a safety <laughs> and, and, and there. It's yeah. okay. It's okay to if you're playing with an artist that wants it loose. That's cool. But nine times, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, everybody wants it like the record. Right. You know. Right. So it's like fine. I'm gonna give it to you like the record. <laughs> I always thought of tempo as almost like <clears throat> the proper key. You know, absolutely. Like they're gonna not gonna sing the song in a key where the singer can't reach it or it's a, too low or something yep. like that. It's got to be the correct key. Well, I feel like the tempo is the same. It's got to be absolutely. It's got to be the right, like the rec- close to the record as possible. Yeah, that's the thing. I, 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 I think younger players don't realize. Just you know, you don't think about it. But when when an artist is singing a song. That's a song that they've been singing for a very long time mm-hmm. through all the recording, through writing it, you know, right. listening to it, listening to every version of the recording. So that that is in, entrenched in their brains. So when they hear you play, they want to hear what they've been listening to for, you know, a year yeah. or so. Or if it's an older band, they've been listening to it for decades. So right, you yeah. want to give it to them the way that it went down. Yeah. Right. You know. Of course, there's nothing wrong with with making new arrangements, but then you know, make the new arrangement steady as well. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of myself as a in, in that school of thought. I think of myself as a fan. Uh, okay, so Boston was one of my big growing up was one of my favorite mm-hmm. bands that I the first band I ever sort of followed and listened to and read about and collected posters and all that. Um, but I always thought, okay, what if I went to go see a Boston concert and they were doing a song would i like a newer version of that song yeah or a inf- yeah. sort of a changed or do i want to hear it like i've heard the record yep. so yeah i want to you want to hear it like so the I, record absolutely you know. there's nothing that's i mean <laughs> hello that's fun <laughs> yeah 
And, and uh, we've talked about this in other podcasts. If, if you're, um, for you drummers out there, that if you don't have click and you have to do a song that's coming up, one of the techniques that I've always used is sing the chorus in your head. Absolutely. Think of the chorus. If you're not sure about it, you don't have a metronome, you don't have any reference, and they go, oh, let's pull this song out that we haven't done in a while. Sing the chorus in your head because the chorus is the is sort of the hero representation of the whole song. You know, Absolutely, it's like the most memorable. You can pop it in your head yep. at any time. You sing the chorus, and then you think it in your head. Then you count the song off, and that seems to be right about where it should Absolutely. be. Right? Absolutely, Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, I, I use that technique definitely if I'm playing in a jazz kind of situation because I just sing the head. Once you sing the head, you, you're like, okay, there it is, and everybody's comfortable. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Same awesome. thing, but, you know, just singing the head would be like singing the chorus in a pop tune. <laughs> yeah. um, so what? We, let's talk a little bit about being in a band, like you've been in a band person, like you put a band together mm. and you've been a band guy or playing for an artist. What yeah. do you, how do you feel? Um, obviously, you would prefer one over the other, I would think, you know, but it depends on the circumstances. But um, what's it been like being a side guy versus being a band member? Yeah. Um, so the last like true band that I was with was um, with Mark Selby. Do you know Mark? Mark Selby. Yeah, he's a singer-songwriter. He wrote Sounds familiar. There's Your Trouble and right. a lot of the Kenny Wayne Shepherd stuff. But <clears throat> we had a, it was his record deal, but it was a band project um, on Vanguard Records back in, I think that was 99. Um, it's just a whole lot. It, it, it's definitely a different kind of vibe mentally right. when you're playing because you're just like, this is, this is the way I wanted this song to be. Right. Uh-huh. You have you more know? ownership in it probably, yeah. right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's kind of the thing, too, that I, I tell myself or I tell people that go, well, man, how can you play the country music and it's the same every night? Well, y- yes, it is the same every night, but... Every song that I play, there I make it my own. Okay, yeah. <laughs> even right, though even though I am playing, yeah. you know, the song exactly like it's written, it's still with my interpretation, my my feel. Yeah. Even Terry goes, "Yeah, man, I love the way you give everything a bounce." I'm like, <laughs> a bounce. <laughs> yeah, okay, you know. Yeah. Like, right. Okay. You know, not 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 real was, st- not yeah. real stiff, but just you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a swing to it. Not, exactly. Know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is cool. I've, yeah. I've never heard of that put that way, but that that does that do, that would be a thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's that's yeah. a huge compliment. And, and that's just, I mean, that's not something that I'm intentionally trying to do. It's just yeah. the way I do it. It's just that just the way it comes out. <laughs> yeah. So with Terry Clark, is, has she had other drummers in the past when you couldn't do it, or is it always you? No, you no. See, um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, I started in two thousand. There, she had one, a Darren Fair, I think, for four years before me. Mm-hmm. And then I was in the band for 11 years straight. And then I actually went up to Canada and did Johnny's music for like nine years straight. So yeah. there was, there was a, a, almost a decade that she had maybe three or four other drummers. But now I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> You're you had a return, a return booking. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. I'm sure she would prefer to have you over other people, but if you weren't available, you know. Probably well, you know, we've we've gotten to know each other quite well, and it's it, now it's like family. You know, yeah. you, you go back, it's 
what's up <laughs> she's such a funny person i mean she's just such a she's like almost like a guy sense of humor she's kind of like you know she's never been afraid to put pull a joke or yeah. to be one of you know just one of the guys kind of thing you know oh, 100%. she doesn't strike me as being a girly girl or anything she's yeah. just so awesome and so funny you know not afraid to be funny she she likes having a good time and uh that's one of the cool things too because you can tell on stage we're just having fun yeah yeah which makes it you know all the better that's cool do you yeah. teach do you have students who man uh so when i lived in memphis mm -hmm. <laughs> i taught a lot <laughs> now is this in college this was after college right? during college during as well college, yeah. yeah yeah uh i taught at the memphis drum shop uh little plug yeah, if you're ever in Memphis, definitely go to the Memphis Drum Shot. It's amazing. Um, it takes up almost a city block. I mean, it's a pretty I've seen, big place. Don't they have an online presence of some, like, they have, have a huge uh, online certain presence. snare or something like that? That yep. they, you know, check it out at the Memphis Drum Shot. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember hearing yeah. samples of. So, I mean, you can look around, like, probably a fourth the size of this room. Uh huh. It's nothing but symbols. I mean, it's wow. probably it's uh, really? yeah. It literally you go in, you go wow. <laughs> wow. I've ever and then then they have they have a rooms called the vault, which is a lot of their old uh, antique drums and whatnot. And the cool thing back in the day, um, they were at a different place, but that place was right across the street from Arden Studio. Oh, okay. So inevitably, when somebody would come to record. The drummer would venture over just to, right. you know. What do you got? Yeah, kind of absolutely. Vintage, yeah. yeah, which which for me it was amazing because uh, I was able to be a fly on the wall to some pretty cool stuff. Like wow. uh, when Stevie Ray Vaughan came in to record his last record with his brother, uh, Larry Aberman was the drummer. Of course, he ventures over to the shop and says, "Hey, man, you can come hang out as much as you want." I went. Yeah, so that means every day, <laughs> and I did. Uh, I went awesome. over there and just hung out for two weeks and watched wow. them record the entire. Did you take anything away from that, like, like how they record their process, anything like that? <laughs> yeah, so they went in without. They had no songs whatsoever. They just did it on the spot. They did them all on. Uh, oh. Do you know Niles Rogers? He's a big producer. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. He produced that record. He's a fantastic uh, guitar player. Um, and he and Stevie would just sit in the control room and, and write out songs. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, dude, I, once again, it was, I wish I'd had a phone in my pocket so oh that God, you know could have recorded some of that, but it's a, a treasured memory. Um, heck, by the end of the two weeks, I was going to run an errands for him. <laughs> that is awesome. For the producer? For Stevie. For Stevie, wow. Yeah. That is awesome. I mean, I literally like just... So you saw like Buddy Rich world. live. You you got to run errands for Stevie Ray Vaughan. Man, <laughs> been around. Yeah. I feel I feel like I haven't done anything. You know, uh, Life is a Highway. Yeah, and the the original, the Tom Cochran. Uh -huh. I was there for that. Whoa, yeah, really? Mickey Curry, uh, oh, the drummer yeah. for uh, Brian and Adams. Brian Adams and, and was, also Hall and Oates. Yeah, all that. He Hall was and recording stuff. that, and of course, once again, comes just walking over. He's yeah. like, "Hey, man, you want to come hang out?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> I like what he said one time. He said. In an interview, he said, uh, my favorite part of my life is just to get, like you're 16 years old, just get behind the drum kit and just play. You oh, get yeah. to do that. You oh, know? Yeah. That's just the most pleasurable part of the whole time. And I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel like when I'm yeah. sitting behind the kit and I'm counting songs off and I'm playing and there's a band following me and I'm leading the band, mm -hmm. I just it's the best feeling in my soul. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's what I tell people, too. It's like, <clears throat> once again, even though we have to play the same show every night, 
It's like, dude, I play the drums for a living. I get to beat out all my frustrations every night, (laughs) and people stand up and applaud. Who gets a job like that? Yeah. You know? But uh, so yeah, we're trying to. I'm just trying to bring up the next generation of great drummers, and there's some really, really amazing young drummers out there now. Oh yeah, and they're just sitting at home and they're making YouTube videos and they're, you know, playing their butts off. And um, I think it's up to guys like us to kind of help those people along and say, you know, here's what you need to do. You need to get out there. You need to learn how to play with the band. You need to mm-hmm. learn how to play with the click. You need to learn yeah. how to, you know, uh, work up songs. And you got to be a song, a song working up machine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was able to take a, a master class with Larry London. And, oh, wow. And somebody asked him, you know, what was the, what's the most valued part of, where you are and and what you do and he's like it's not where i am it was the whole process of me getting to where i am right yeah which was special of course yeah, yeah. the journey the journey is so many stories that. to tell and so many lessons yeah to learn yeah i think of it as sort of like a pilot an airline pilot they didn't just like walk into that job and like on your job training one day and then you're flying that. they had a whole journey of <laughs> mistakes along the way and yeah. things they've learned and like wisdom and this is like those like a military like a guy in the military a, a sergeant or a general you know they've you know they have slogged some Absolutely. stuff along the way yeah. and they they just you know if if you'd ask an old guy like that he's like 50 and say do some chin-ups and he'd just do it yep. you know he's just like oh yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what i mean it's just like oh, this yeah. uh, oh, the yeah. character Absolutely. The, of, of of having a long journey to where you are right what, now 100 percent. Yeah. yeah it makes I think difference. we're in agreement on that yeah, yeah. oh dude yeah you can't That's... beat the experience of a of a of an older uh, I say older of, of a um, seasoned, a well-seasoned musician. Like. Well, it's the thing too. You can't shortcut it, you yeah. know. And 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 yeah, you might have a breakthrough person that that will do that, but they're few and far between, you know. Yeah, true. You you, you got to go through the process. There's yeah. no easy way. Yeah. So yeah. in the studio, um, <clears throat> you get to play that much in the studio anymore, or is, or is that? Um, not as much as I did back in the day because I used to do a lot of demos, but. Mm-hmm. That's kind of gone by the wayside, and I don't have a home studio. I was one of the knuckleheads back in the day that I would always say, "Well, I don't need to do a home studio because you know, no road work. I'm working all the time, so yeah. you know, I don't mess with that." And you know, COVID, and then COVID hits. Like, yeah. Oh, oh shoot! I wish I'd done that. <laughs> <laughs> right, but that's okay because you know it's all coming back. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, so when you are playing in the studio. Um, I always like to share what's kind of going through your mind. Like, how does it, what is it, what, how would you describe the things that are going through your mind okay, when you're yep. playing in the studio? Because yeah. it's totally different than live, totally different animal. Yeah, well, you know, for those that don't know, you know, you, you usually get your, your lead chart. Um, you go in the control room, you're, you're listening to a demo or whatever, if they have one. Uh, right there, I'm starting to make notes of, okay, I want to, I'll just make little notes of, Fill space here. Set up this, you know, just little road charts on the on the actual chart. Things that um, you've thought of doing. That <clears throat> yeah, just that your I'll, own personal notes. Yeah, like. well, that I'll just hear. I'm like, okay, this needs to be set up this way. Yeah. You know, um, and then put it in the red. <laughs> yeah, put it in the red and go. Yeah, and yeah. so when you're playing, when the when they hit, when they say, okay, we're ready, we're rolling. What what goes through your mind? Like, what are you thinking? Um. Oh, let me back up. Also, especially if it's uh, something with vocals, uh, if it's a jazz thing, then this doesn't apply. But 
if if you're playing a, a tune, um, I, I like to look at the actual lyrics to, to see what the song says. Oh, now that's interesting. Yeah, because you're going to have a different approach if it's a love song or if, if somebody's getting dumped. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> or they may say things uh, like when you're in a movie or something, when they say a certain word, you cut to something. You know, you, yeah. you give a reference. Of absolutely, yeah. So if yeah. someone said something like, when you knock on my door, you might think about going, uh-uh, or yeah, something like that. Absolutely. You know, same, same yeah, absolutely, same thing. You know, um, just it, it, I think that gives you a better reference of what the, the person that's writing it uh, was thinking. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Instead okay. of just listening to the to you know the chorus structure or whatever, actual listening to the song, meaning the the vocals, yeah. um, the lyrics, to to get a better interpretation of where you're going to go with it. Yeah, you know? I always tell my students that they're usually in the studio. There are three sort of main things that are going on in my mind at the same time. And this is what mm -hmm. makes it difficult. Yeah. Is number one, you've got this click track going, so you've got to stay on that. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other part of your brain, it's like also compartmentalized, this other part of your brain that says, okay, I have to play very precisely. You know, I have to, I don't want to play sloppy. I want right. to play tight. I want to, I want the subdivisions to be right and to fit the song and groove and all that. Mm -hmm. and then there's this other part of your brain that goes, oh yeah, I have to know where I am in the song. So you're looking at the chart and you're kind of maybe looking ahead a little bit to see what's coming up or, right. you know, right. where am I in the count here? Am I in the verse? I'm in the second verse. So there's that part of your brain yeah. that's sort yeah, of the yeah. map, you know? Absolutely. And then there's the other part that's the engine. Yep. That's like, uh, I've got to, I've got to play this, I've got to perform this thing. And then there's the other part, way back in the back is like, you got to stay in, there's a click track going. Yep. I have to stay with that yep. somehow. I have to hear it and yeah. react to it. Well, and, I, yeah, and, and I think, f for me anyway, because I've literally been playing with the click for so long that that I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, it's, it's sort of it's back there, yeah, right. you know, and I know I'm playing with it, but right. I, don't, I don't actually have to f mentally think to play with it because yeah. I've just done it for so long. Yeah. And that's the way, that's, man, that's where you want it to be. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people have, you know, after a show, they'll go, are you playing with the click? I'm like, uh, Could you yeah. Then <laughs> <laughs> they were like, wow, you couldn't, you couldn't tell that you were playing with the click. I'm like, right. well, that's. That's the key, yeah. Yeah, hello. Right. <laughs> I tell my students too, it takes time. It does. It you don't takes just time. the first gig, and and of course playing the studio with click is totally different than playing live. Well, I mean, it's different 100%. in a way. It's the same, but it's different in a way of like energy. Mm -hmm. When you're live and you got people watching you, and there's a band sort of pushing and pulling and stuff like that, and you've got to stay on that click. It's it's not easy in the beginning, mm -hmm. but it gets easier as absolutely you go on. Absolutely, know? there's a trust there that everybody has. It oh, he's on the click, so it was yep. all him. Yeah, yeah. Um, like um, one of the Johnny Reed tours was, uh, it was a Christmas tour and the, the record had like just a ton of orchestral parts on it. So obviously we're not going to carry an orchestra. So I was having to play with a computer every night with, I mean, from, Did you have to start from, and stop it from and stop. operate it and stuff too, or no? We actually had a designated keyboard player that, that did all that ah, stuff. Good, okay. But you know, from from song one to song nineteen or whatever, everything was you know on the grid. So you had to make sure the entire night you know yeah. you, seen, you know no room for error. At right? All. Yeah, you got to know where you are and you got to know what's going on. We have when we we have some uh, we have video screens and stuff mm -hmm. when we play, and so we have a little 
click that's going, and, and this is something that's come about recently. And it's a thing, I think it's called Marquee or something like that, that actually has uh, a voice, like a computer voice, that says the name of the song, and yeah. it kind of gives a one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so you're not just like, well, before we would always have some kind of little, uh, like an actual voice of somebody saying sure. one, two, three, four, yep. like when you come in. Yep. But now it's... um. It's kind of uh, this computer voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it comes on and says what the name of the song is, just in case you know you don't know if it's the right song or not. It's kind of. Let me tell you a story. So, <laughs> uh, what is? I can't think of the piece of equipment, but uh, I was playing with Paul Brandt, and we were playing uh, Canada Day, which is there, you know, July Fourth, and we we're playing it in Ottawa at the Parliament grounds so it's right. basically the equivalent of playing it at the white house right big huge crowd huge. and everything 80,000 people oh easily and <clears throat> a kai 400 i think was a piece of equipment that we used and in the flight the little readout screen got broken oh no so you talk about flying yeah, by the no. seat of your pants i'm just like please let this be the right song. <laughs> oh, no. oh, my gosh. What a nightmare. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey. I'm like, okay, I know where the kill switch is. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I've hit the kill switch many times when uh, Richie wouldn't sing. The, he would come in a, a measure too late, two measures oh, too late. Oh, whoops. Too, uh, oops, I've got to kill it. That train's left the station. <laughs> it just changes a little bit. Um, but anyway, um, God, that is awesome. And uh, – we as drummers have to learn all that stuff, and it just has to uh, get ex- you have to experience it. You yeah. have to learn it. You have to get better at it. And as time yeah. goes by, it just gets to sort of be old hat. Yeah, and it's yeah. like they say with pilots, it's uh, um, you know hours and hours of uh, of boredom followed by sheer moments of terror. <laughs> These seconds of like, oh, uh, what's going on? You know, you've all experienced that. You know. Yeah. Uh, I've had a bad flight too. Yeah, right. A lot of people ask, like, do you get nervous when you go on stage? Well, no, not anymore for live shows, but there is one thing that I do get nervous about anymore, and that's being on award shows, playing on live television, award show. You're playing the award show. If you drop a stick or if something doesn't go right, that's forever. That's forever ago. And here's the other part. Here's the part that, that totally throws you off is that you're sitting up here playing. Looking down at the front row, and it's George Strait, oh, McIntyre, yeah. Shania Twain, Alan Jackson. It's just like the whole entire, and they're just looking at you like, "What do you got?" You know, <laughs> they're not impressed. You know, they've yeah. seen it all and heard it all. They just yeah. Uh, I actually got a, which is kind of comical, but I, I got a session once um, with Kip Winger. Kip Winger calls me up <clears throat> after an award show and goes, "Man, I heard you on the award show. It sounded great." I'm like, well, well, one, thank goodness it was actual. I mean, me, we did go in and, and record a live version of oh, the see. tune, but I wasn't playing live on the thing. I saw, but, I've done that before, yeah. yeah like but, live to track is what they call that. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I obviously I'm playing to myself, so I nailed the parts. But I, And he's like, dude, I, I want you to come and record in my studio. I'm like, awesome. I didn't have the heart to tell him, but that wasn't technically me, but it was me. It wasn't me right then. It wasn't me right then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the reason they do that, um, for all you 
drummers out there that may want to know, um, is a lot of times, like in a football game or something like that, your halftime show, you just don't award shows. You don't have time. Nope. They don't have time to set up the gear and do a sound check and run the lines. And there's a million th drum lines. Things could go wrong. You know, mm -hmm. you could get a buzz, something like that. So a lot of times they will. There's our train again, our horn section. Um, <laughs> Tune so, it up, boys. Right on cue. Right. Um, so a lot of times they want to simplify things by having you pre-record the track right. or take stems from a, from your album or something like that and take the vocal out and yeah. then so they'll, you're playing to what you've played you're playing to the drums like you're not actually playing them but you're playing to it so I will tell you that if you hit a cymbal that's not there or you don't hit a cymbal that's that should be there it's like a it's very it's like a sore thumb. obvious yeah a little obvious so don't make it obvious know where the at least the cymbal hits are at least yeah oh my god yeah. And I've seen that happen before where someone, you know, is Whoops. playing and it's just like they smack up cymbal and there's nothing there. <laughs> or had, the other head. You had happened. me going until yeah. the crash that didn't happen. Until the crash that <laughs> shouldn't have been there. But, um, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, we've lived and learned and oh, yeah. all the tips. And uh, oh, yeah. any other good advice you have for some young drummers that might be wanting to wow. go pro? Um, yeah, you know. Practice is essential. <laughs> you know, it's when when an opportunity comes about, you gotta make sure you knock it out of the park because there is literally nothing worse than getting an opportunity and crap in the bed. Right. Because nobody will forget. And <laughs> they'll always remember that, after and that, you're right? done. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You're done. Oh my so God. you come in swinging, man. Be a hero. Yeah. Be, be the the guy. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so many people. I've seen plenty of people move to town, and you know, I'm going. You you maybe shouldn't. You're have not done ready it yet. yet. Yeah. yeah. Know that you're ready. Know that you have the right gear. Yeah. That you're all, you know, proed up. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Right. Have everything. You, you, that's another thing. You, you come in on, on a on a audition with crappy gear yeah uh, you don't even have to play you, yeah. you're probably not going to get the gig because they're going to look at what you have and go hmm yeah nah. when i was younger i used to think the opposite i used to think <clears throat> not the opposite but i used to think that i wanted to be the kind of drummer that comes in with the crappiest kit but can play like really good you know like <laughs> well, a guitar a player thing too. <laughs> yeah like a guitar player with an old 50s guitar that just yeah. wails on it yeah you know? But he's got older gear, and I always thought, oh, there's nothing wrong with having some retro stuff. And, if I, and then I, well, I sort of over even, the years. Yeah, but yeah. even if it's quote unquote retro, it's still got to have new heads. It's got to be. It's got to sound great, you it's know. Have um, some decent hardware, not all rusted. And yeah, like yeah. That. You still want to sound great. That's the bottom line. Is. Yeah. So I've changed my thought on that over the years, over experience. I would think a drummer to walk into a gig or an audition or anything with a really nice kit, like the top of the line. Brand new heads, great symbols, just set up just right. You know, it looks great. It sounds great. There's nothing wrong with that. They're going to look at you like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and the, the first impression is the one they see, you yeah. know. <laughs> Think of an Uber driver, folks. An Uber driver, when he pulls up to the curb, are you going to yeah. be impressed or are you going to be like, eh. Or calling a taxi. Yeah, right. You can yeah. go, no, I'm not getting in your car. Yeah. Um, years ago when I was first starting out, I remember – and this has driven me through the years and it's formed who I am pretty much, is I was standing around listening to some musicians talk about another drummer. And that yeah. was probably in my 20s. I was probably 20, 21. And I was listening to them talk about this guy. And they were 
talking about drummers and this and that. And, and they were like, oh, you should get that guy. That guy's awesome. You should get that guy. That whole, that echoed in my brain for so long. And I thought in my mind, I want to be the drummer that people say, you should get that guy, you know? And it took me a number of years to get enough confidence and to play enough gigs and experience and things like that to be where people would say that about me. But yeah. I finally, yeah. when I got with the band Canyon in the, in the late, in the eighties, um, it was one of those things. The yeah. sound man I'd worked with before in another band and they had a drummer that just, he was a good drummer, but he wasn't very powerful. Right. He was, and they were moving up in the world. They were getting sure. a record deal and they were doing big shows and they needed a drummer that was some power. And that sound man saying, you should get Keech. That, That's the guy you need, you know? Yeah. So that just really helped me out that, so much. That is literally the words that were used when I got the Terry Clark gig. Because uh, once again, the, the band leader was a friend of mine with Terry. Uh, he was a bass player and Martina, was opening or or actually terry was opening for martina and when uh terry knew that that she was going to make a change with the drums on the drum position my friend brings her to the side of the stage to watch me play with martina and he says literally when we get someone new we should get someone like that guy. Right, that's awesome. And then, lo and behold, a few yeah. weeks later, it's like that guy was she's, available. She <laughs> said, I don't want someone like that guy, I want that guy. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what so. a true artist thinks like. You know, yeah. they think like, I don't want someone like that, I want that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that's cool. And, and that's how I got the gig with Johnny as well, because Johnny was an opening act for Terry. Right. And, you know, when he, when I, he had a I tour come about. I suppose the fact that you can read Yep. And you can, you're a good player, you have good equipment, you've had some experience, you mm -hmm. know, you, you're a jazz guy, you know, which not, that's not so important, but it does have some training implications to it, you know, schooling yeah. Kind of things, you know. Yeah, I, the, the, the plus, I think, for, for all the schooling that I did, uh, especially in the jazz world, I think that I have a, a large enough uh, understanding and repertoire that I can pretty much play anything before me. You yeah, know what I mean? Right, I got you. Obviously, there's, you know, don't ask me to do... Some Vinnie Caliuta thing, you know, or yeah, well, <laughs> Terry Bozio. Yeah, something that's just like way, way, way over the top that only 1% of the guys can do yeah, anyway. Right, yeah. yeah, that ain't me. But, uh, you know... You play traditional, all, all grip, other, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. seeing you play traditional. Yeah, I play traditional. That came... You know, just over, that's just the way I started, you know. Just, you started out that way? It stuck. <laughs> you know, I was talking to um, Ben Caesar, uh, and he switched. Mm -hmm. He was he was match grip for a long time. Even even his years of touring with Brad Paisley, which he's been with him for 21 years, 22, 20, mm -hmm. something like that. And, uh, and somewhere sort of midstream, he just decided that things weren't, as comfortable or as like good as he wanted and he thought that he would be more comfortable and be able to do more things traditional yeah um, yeah so he switched in earn well his story was that he switched and then the first gig out live it wasn't the same as, as in his practice room it was sure. a little there was a little more is harder so he switched back you know mm -hmm. he, he kind of he's in his words he said i kind of wanted to give brad his money back for that show <laughs> <laughs> and then so he practiced some more and got it and worked it out yeah. and now he's full traditional yeah you know you know f for a while there especially back in the earlier days of playing with terry uh i was playing match but then the light bulb went off i'm like i, I easily overplay more when i'm playing uh match match yeah um i still have plenty of volume when i play traditional but 
I don't know. There's something that goes on in my head that goes, okay, keep your technique right, dude. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, okay. Right. You know, it makes me conscious and right. aware of it. Uh, I mean, that's probably the, the, the thing that I practice most nowadays anyway is just purely about technique. Yeah. Um, you know, what Ben said that stuck with me was when he went to started playing in traditional, he said he would do a couple of things before he actually decided to, to go that way. Mm-hmm. He did a couple of things, and he said, I noticed I sat up straighter. I played <laughs> a little cleaner yeah. I, oh, yeah. it was like a putting a hat on putting yeah. a different hat on for yeah. him yeah is that I, did you feel that way absolutely I mean, yeah well it uh, and i think just playing traditional because it is a little harder uh because you're using more muscles right um and, and you do just have to in the back of your head consciously think of okay make sure my technique is this is cool i actually had a, someone take a picture of me the other day and uh, they posted it on Facebook, and they said, "Dude, your posture is like impeccable." <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, yeah, because I. You what know. is it about traditional grip that makes your posture better? Because that's you're the second person yeah, that's I sort know. of mentioned. I don't know that. why yeah. that happens, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe right. it's because yeah. it just has to be for to, for your arm to work like that. And I see people like Stuart Copeland play with power, oh. with like major power oh, with yeah. that left hand. And I'm oh, like, how's yeah. he doing that? See, Stuart was definitely an idol of mine growing up. Too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a great story. So uh, I saw them, I guess it was 83, maybe. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the last tour they did, the Synchronicity right. Two. And I got my tickets late, and it was back in the day where, you know, you're not getting them on your cell phone. You're having to go to the Ticketmaster, and they pull out the little chart, yeah. you know, of, of the stage plot and nice. the seats available. And the lady's, like, so apologetic. She's like, oh, man, the only seats we have are behind the stage. And you're like, yes! <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So literally, I sat 10 feet straight above Stuart Copeland. Wow. Uh, it was, like, the most incredible thing ever. Yeah. I mean, just the and once energy. again, if you would have had a cell phone, yeah, <laughs> taking right. a billion pictures, <laughs> I would have. Wow, that's yeah. just almost like a drum lesson right there. Oh, to watch man. Stuart Copeland. I was, I was just above him or behind I, him. I could not have been any more happy. It was wow. like this is amazing. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, he just has so much power, and he is my favorite thing about him is he's kind of in his zone mm-hmm. when he plays. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's got that stare that like he's what's going through his mind what's he thinking about is he, visualizing? Uh, he, he was thinking about kicking Stane's butt <laughs> oh yeah of course yeah he's he's not staring into space <laughs> he's staring at Sting <laughs> like when this show's over yeah. for, for those that don't know the police was a great man and they hated each other they hated each other yeah <laughs> poor Andy was just kind of stuck I think yeah. I would think he's sort of stuck in the middle literally yeah, like much. okay you guys cool it <laughs> yeah you know? oh my god wow well, man, uh, any other great advice you have for um, Ooh, uh, for a starting out drummer? What about for auditions? I mean, uh, is there kind of a mindset that you think that you would like to pass along to them? Yeah, or what to um, think when you go in? Definitely. I, I've told this to a, a bass player friend of mine that was, uh, he was going to audition with, I won't say the name of the band, but um, it was a band that's been around for decades. And I went, dude, the best thing you can do is not to just learn the gig, learn the show, but learn it as if you've been playing it for 30 years. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. It's like, yeah, you might know the tunes, but these dudes have been playing it for their entire life. Right. So you need to get it to where you feel like you've been playing it for yeah. your entire life. Like a mindset thing. Absolutely. Like concentrating. Yeah. Almost pretend. Like, yeah. you know what, pretend. Now, I know I use that technique a lot when I'm playing, and I need to – 
I need to just really lay. We don't have click or anything. Mm -hmm. If the click goes out or something, I got to play. I think in my brain, what would a drum machine sound like playing this part? Yeah. And and I almost emulate a drum machine. Now yeah. it's not going to be exactly the same, and you know it doesn't need to be. But right. but it, I think that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. sort of like an actor. Like what if I was a robot and I wanted to sound just like this drum machine? And that helps me. Yeah. My time. Yeah. I know. And in the same way, then someone might. Well, I've been playing this gig for thirty years. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like when I auditioned for Martina, um, for starters, they were the number of songs that they wanted us to know was kind of like over the top, but there was a reason for that. And I'll get to that in a second. But they literally said, "Just play it like the, she wanted to hear it, just like the right. record." So right. that's a, that's a thing that you definitely need to do whether you write it out or you or you if you don't know how to read you memorize it to where it is verbatim yeah right you know just spot on um i forgot the the thing i was going to say i mean like tempo licks fills yeah. everything just yeah like the i mean record. just yeah. spot yeah. on just you know, it's one thing if you get the gig then you know you're not necessarily especially through the years you're not necessarily having to play it spot on like the record but to get the audition, to get the gig, yeah, yeah you want to do you that. You want to do that, yeah. yeah. I get that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that would impress an artist if a player came in and played it, even if you didn't ask them to, but they played it just like the yeah. record. You know, you, you can always you not play like, it like the record. <laughs> okay, they know, you know you're not going to have to worry about them in the future, you know, like, the, oh, they got, they, they got it. But if yeah. someone comes in and kind of tries to do their own thing with it, you know, you're like kind of not sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and another thing too, like for for younger dudes or whatever, I mean, we know one of the most important things uh, once you have the gig is fit in. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> fit in. You know, if you're a young dude, you you don't want to, you know, you, you want to just approach this new uh, surroundings gently <laughs> yeah right of course yeah you know i always think of that that <clears throat> saying you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem 100 like, be a part of the solution yes. be the solution be yeah. that guy that yeah. drummer you know and fix things don't create a problem fix the problems yeah. you know yeah that's that's the kind of drummer i've always wanted to be you know yeah yeah i mean i i've been in uh, situations where it's unfortunate but the person I'm replacing, he, I'm getting, re, uh, I'm replacing him because they just couldn't hang with him. It wasn't yeah. about he couldn't play. It's like, the yeah. dude had to go. Don't be, <laughs> you know? don't be a dirtbag. Yeah, That's the exactly. number one rule. Yeah, I mean, and that yeah. sounds so simple, and you think about it, but man, when you get on a 45 foot bus. Any bad trait that you have is going yeah. to come out. So try yeah. to suppress it. After about a twelve-hour day of just like trying to get across the country and you just a few fuel stops and that kind of thing. What, yeah. You know, what are they gonna? What are you gonna do? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be cool, man. God. <laughs> well, cool, it's, man. It's so good to talk to you. Teach, and, it's um, been great, man. I've known you oh for so gosh. long. And when I started this podcast, I thought, well, he's definitely one of the first ones I want to well, talk to. I've just me, known man. you for so long. Absolutely. Know? But I, yeah. I never knew your history, and I never knew the jazz thing, and I never knew like your personal story. But now yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's on tape. It's on tape. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, and yep, uh, good bet, luck man. out on the road with Absolutely. Terry and and with uh, with them. Um, uh, that was a big handshake there. We just we just did a handshake. <laughs> we didn't knuckle. We were both. Yeah. Now the other artist is uh, 
Keith Anderson, right? Yes. Keith Anderson, yeah. Picking wildflowers. All right, man. It's, Good luck. It's, a, it's so much fun. It's like a... It's like a country jam band. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. The guitar players that, that come in and out of that band just love it. They're oh, like, yeah. oh, this is so much fun because he lets them rip. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Well, have a great summer and a Thank great you. tour. Thank you, too, man. See you next time. Be safe. See ya. <laughs> High five.